Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah. Hi, this is Maxine Gowan from Bend, Oregon. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, thank you, Maxine, for introducing our day one 2024 Australian Open daily podcast. It is 1.44am. You find us, myself, Catherine Whitaker, David Law, Matt Roberts at Tennis Podcast Towers after our first Sunday start to an Australian Open. How are we and how did we find the Sunday start? David. <laughs> I do feel a little bit tired, i got to be honest. Um, but I enjoyed it. I, I actually enjoyed the Sunday start. I, I, I kind of canvassed a few opinions and, and they were split, I would say. I, I personally enjoyed the little bit of space that you had between, well, matches weren't every court in operation at the same time. And then... I suppose it was so thrilling, the evening session, that first match, that that's what I take away from it. But overall, I think I liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I mean, there is there is always a part of me, I think, uh, that enjoys Grand Slams, where you get to 11am on, on the opening day and you get an avalanche of matches all starting at the same time and all, you know populating your scores app and you think right here we go and we didn't quite get that moment we not only was it a reduced schedule overall it was a staggered start wasn't it but it did it did allow time to you know go into a bit more depth in some matches than I normally would probably on on the opening day and have some just I don't know have some conversations with people I, I I feel like I wasn't just attached to my interactive screen the entire day so that was that was quite nice but um yeah I mean thank thank goodness for the Sunday start and uh and the early finishes that it's giving us I mean that has worked a treat hasn't yeah, it problem solved yeah. guys they nailed it <laughs> Uh, we will come on to all of that. Don't you worry. Uh, we're going to work backwards here because we are going to start with the night session and we are going to talk about Arena Sabalenka's absolutely extraordinary start to the tournament. Uh, but I do think we should start with 10-time former champion Novak Djokovic and his 18-year-old opponent today, the Croatian Dino Prismic, who... I mean, to say that he's marked everyone's card as a star for the very, very near future, I think would be a tremendous understatement. Because look, this is a, a kid that we'd heard about before tonight's match, hadn't we? A lot of people had, um, you know, like David watching one of uh, a showreel of, of one of West Brom's new signings. <laughs> Pe- people had been... <laughs> been watching youtube material uh, the atp did a, a very helpful little get to know dino prismic uh, video which we found cameraman matthew editing earlier on in the day uh, on my instagram stream a uh, a video of dino prismic on leg day in the gym which i, I think every day skip those. every day might be leg day for dino prismic in the gym those popped up like 
his people have known about his talent for a little while, but there's knowing about some talent and there's seeing a guy do what he did tonight with Novak Djokovic at the other end of the court, opening Rod Laver Arena, Australian Open, and it was startling, I thought, what that kid produced tonight, David. Mm. And four hours worth of it. It, it. You do see sometimes somebody come out and be spectacular and hurt a big name for a little while and rock them. Um, but it's it's rarely more than that, and especially at that age. He did not play like an 18-year-old. He did not play like a novice. He did not play like somebody with that lowly ranking who's just new on the scene, who's never done it before. It was like he had been there before uh, in, in another world. And there were so many things about the performance that just surprised me. I was waiting for the cramp to come, and I don't think it arrived until the final game of the match in the fourth, in, when, he's, when it's ticking over to four hours. I waited for him to, on big break point moments, to go for broke, to keep, you know, I was, I was thinking, where, where's it, when's he going to just pull the trigger and go for some outlandish shot to try and knock Novak Djokovic off the court? He doesn't play like that. I mean, he, he has firepower. He backed his own game to go toe-to-toe against Novak Djokovic as if he was Novak Djokovic. And the similarities were so stark to me uh, where we're sitting in the commentary box at the back of the court court level to watch him go backhand to backhand they look like identical backhands he I never thought he was going to miss it looked so repeatable reliable and 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 he just played with this composure and confidence that I can do this there were there were certainly points in the in the middle of that second set and the early stages of the third set where, where Novak Djokovic was wanting not to get involved in rallies with Dino Prismic. He was going big on his second serve midway through that third set. He really was like, I don't, I don't want to, I'm going to come out the wrong end of a, of long rallies more often than not with this kid. And this was two and a half hours into the match. I know you could look at the scoreline and go, okay, four sets, opening round, you know, somebody shows up, plays red lines it and plays one flashy set against the 10-time champion and then is unable to sustain it. That looks like a pattern of match that we've seen before. It just wasn't like that, was it? Absolutely not, yeah. I mean, this wasn't Enzo Cuoco, <laughs> who did do that last year. You know, he, he did win that tie-break against Novak Djokovic in the second set, in the second round, I think it was. But the rest of that match was was not particularly close. But... This was a total grind for Novak Djokovic. It was it was the first time since he's become Novak Djokovic, which we all put as that 2011 Australian Open. That was him developing into the greatest player of all time. It was the first time since then that he's played over three hours in the first round of a slam. And it was four hours. Like, it was totally different to anything he's ever experienced before. And... I think it's interesting that the sort of highest praise of Dino Prismich came from Novak Djokovic himself. I thought it was extraordinary the way he, at the end of the match, recognised that it was a big moment for Prismich. He, he, he sort of made the whole crowd applaud Prismich rather than himself. And he was gushing in his on-court interview with Jim Courier. And he continued that in the press conference and exactly as you're describing, David, he, he said it was like looking in a mirror out there. And it's, it's the kind of praise that I've only really heard Djokovic heap on Carlos Alcaraz in the past, you know, where he's described Alcaraz as a sort of combination of, of the big three in terms of the weapons that he possesses. And he was, he was talking in those sorts of terms about Prismich tonight in terms of, I think what impressed him was... The physicality, the fact that he was going toe-to-toe with him, winning those long rallies, defending so well, and also the mentality that he had. The, you know, Prismich, I think, genuinely felt like he could beat Novak Djokovic tonight. And I think Djokovic felt that. He, he, he knew that it wasn't just a set. He knew that it was a sustained threat for set after set, you know, hour after hour. And he's not used to facing that. And 
yeah, it was a really extraordinary performance from 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 Prismic. And look, Djokovic was pretty poor at times. I felt in that in that second set, and he's 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 spoken about how the fact that and you can tell in his voice he's very nasal at the moment. He's he's not quite feeling a hundred percent. Um, so he wasn't at his absolute sharpest, but by the end he was he was playing some really good stuff because Prismic should brought it out of him I, I don't think Djokovic was quite ready or prepared to have to dig that deep in round one I think he was quite I think he quite had that in the tank uh, but he somehow found it and um, yeah all credit to Prismich for bringing that out of him it was it was an amazing spectacle yeah I mean Djokovic is the absolute master in riding out players having a hot streak isn't he, mm. he he's just his whole attitude is cool that's awesome <laughs> You can't keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Actually, you know, when we we so often talk about match management of Djokovic, I'm looking at this 18-year-old match managing against Djokovic and compartmentalizing the sets and not going... And going, yes, going two love down in the third set after he's just won the epic second, but then getting it back to two all hmm. and then taking a 3-2 with a break lead. And that moment, I really did think... Blimey, if if he can somehow sustain the belief, it's it's. I was starting to think where it would rank among all-time great shocks, and I was thinking about the people I was going to doorstep and talk about it because John <laughs> McEnroe was around and things like that. I was it genuinely was going through my head. Who else was on the list? The loitering on the lawn with law list. <laughs> I, I think that if I think if, if Djokovic had lost that match, all bets are off. I'm going for Agassi, I'm going for Courier, I'm going for everybody because it would have been as big an upset and shock as as there would have ever been. Um and it's just it just tells you everything about Djokovic that he that he played that epic fifth game of the third set, lost it, goes three two at a breakdown and then wins the next seven. That is Novak Djokovic in a nutshell. And all power to him because the, that takes him to it. And, yeah. and you know, he, he did, when I saw him practice yesterday, he had a, 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 a his pocket was stuffed full of tissues because he kept blowing his nose. I noticed the same thing. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think saying that takes anything away from Dino Prismich because Novak Djokovic will have been feeling equivalent, whatever the level of, slightly rough or you know not quite a hundred percent healthy he was feeling tonight he will have been feeling equivalent levels of that in countless early round grand slam matches over the last 15 years and he will have won so comfortably in those matches you know Novak Djokovic minus a couple of percent is still pretty much the best player in the world unless Carlos Alcaraz is is absolutely on fire certainly over over five sets so Incredible from both of them. Are we concerned at all? I know he gets two days off now. He's the master of in-match management, of tournament management, all of it. But he is approaching 37 years old. And that was not only an extraordinarily long match, but a physical long match. He was suffering out there, Novak Djokovic. Is that the sort of suffering that he could feel in his legs later in the tournament? In a word, no. <laughs> I don't think I'm worried. Like, may, like, maybe. Like, I feel like he would have to have a similar test again. That's what I think, too. I, mm, I, 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 cumulative. In isolation. Yeah. I mean, he, he could... The likelihood is... I who's he got next? It's Poprin or Polmans, isn't it? I actually think... I think Poprin's dangerous if he plays him. And... So that's not ideal, personally, in, in my view. But generally, he's going to win most of his matches quite efficiently, I think, from here. And it's a far less physical match against yeah, Popper, yeah. True. isn't it? I, Agassi I mean, was, uh, could be Mark Pullman's. <laughs> yeah. Ag Agassi was... It's, it is stating the obvious, but Father Time will get him eventually. And... We're all just fascinated to know when that'll be, really. Mm. Um, and 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 I think, in a way, Djokovic is too. He he's fascinated about how long he can keep this going for. Mm. Okay. Well, Popperin and Polmans play tomorrow. Novak Djokovic gets a couple of days off. Let's let's stay with the night session rather than sticking with 
the men's draw. And let's let's move on to talk about Arena Sabalenka. Ella Seidel, uh, the 18-year-old German qualifier for her. She steps out onto court. Arena Sabalenka, the defending women's champion at what time, Matt? Uh, she came onto court at 11.33 p.m. And what percentage full do you think the crowd was at that point, having just watched several hours of Djokovic and Prismich? I would say 30 to 40%. And then first ball was at 11.41 p.m. And it was still 30 to 40%. And, and we posted a photo of that on on Twitter and you know someone said well that's that's not fair you know they've they've literally just seen a match of course they're going to leave and go to the loo and go to the toilet and I was like okay well the whole point is that that walking out moment onto court is the is the one chance you get as a defending champion to return to the court for the first time since you won it and receive the applause and the ovation that you deserve and that was simply taken away from Arena Sabalenka tonight. You know, she, she is never going to be a first-time defending Australian Open champion again. That was her moment. And it was barely a moment because there was barely anyone there to recognise it. And, it. and it's absolutely not on the Rod Laver Arena crowd who needed a wee after... Exactly. No one's no one's blaming hours. any of them. No. It's 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 the scheduling. And, and the thing is, you could have switched those matches, and okay, maybe it might have ended up closer than it was. Let's say it's an hour and a half, and Novak Djokovic goes onto the court at nine o'clock instead of seven thirty. He still walks out to a to a full house as the defending champion because it has only been an hour and a half, not four hours, because it's three against five sets, and. I just think, I think they should have done it that way, and, and it's the same again tomorrow night, isn't it? And it's, I don't, I don't understand why they don't get that really. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I said this to you yesterday, David. Imagine a world in which, um, I, this is a stretch, obviously. Uh, imagine a world in which women, for whatever reason, women play best of five and men play best of three. Women are never getting scheduled first ever ever because it wouldn't it just wouldn't be seen as acceptable to put a men's best of three match on to start after a best of five set match it's just it's just a a a slanted playing field as far as I'm concerned and I I I just think there should be a blanket policy of you can't schedule a any match after a best of five set match you can't have a second night session match after best of five. I completely agree. I, I completely agree. And and I also think, you know, they've essentially now got the same schedule as the Arthur Ashe Stadium, where they've got two day matches and two night session matches. But what they've what they've not done at the Australian Open is bring the start time of the night session forward. So we're still starting at the same time we used to start. That's why we're still going to get the late finishes. That's why it's been a, a sort of total nonsense that the Sunday start would have any impact at all on the late finishes. Ah, it's only 2.01 a.m. <laughs> Calm down. Um, we did one at 6.30 a.m. last year. <laughs> That's the gold standard. But, but That's what they've eradicated. <laughs> it's only two now. What are you complaining about? David, Andy Murray has not yet played Thomas Martinez. <laughs> Don't jinx isn't, isn't Hannah Meyer on after Andy Murray tomorrow? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but basically what happened is... I'd forgotten that. <laughs> what happened is there was this, you know, two quite quick matches on on the Rod Laver Arena to start the day. And the day session was over at 4.20, I think it was, on the Rod Laver Arena. There's then a three-hour gap until the night session. If if they want to truly do something about late finishes, they now have an opportunity to bring the night session forward a bit. And I don't really understand why they haven't done that. Um, I guess they're desperate for the night session to start on time. And they don't want a load of people coming in and not having seats to get to. I, I, I do understand that. But it feels like they could bring the night session forward an hour. They could start it at six 
and quite likely they would be starting on time. If a really long men's match during the day, then worst case scenario, they're starting at seven. But like, it just feels like they've got room to play with there and, and they haven't they haven't taken advantage mm. of it. And um, yeah, it, it just, so, just so many misses along the way. And, and, and the big one, as you say, is they absolutely have to start with the women's matches at night because it's simply unacceptable for matches to be starting at 11.41. That is 41 minutes after the tours have just decided that is too late for matches to be starting. That is 71 minutes after that match would have been moved if it was on the tour. You know, the new tour policy is 10.30. We're going to move the match to a new court. So just sort it out. Mm. Yeah. Well, Sabalenka's uh, way of sorting it out was just (laughs) to uh, condense her match into, I think... 51 minutes. She's given us an early night. And I mean, <laughs> yeah. she, she had match points at 43 minutes. Uh, and then she, she squandered several of them. And it was really contrasting emotions for me watching this. I found it incredibly tough to watch Ella Seidel out there today. Clearly a talent, 18 years old, qualified. I mean, talk about being sent into the lion's den. She said qualifying for her first main draw at a slam two two days ago she said that was the best moment of her life two days ago and and i know it's mixed feelings when you then get drawn in the main draw to face the defending champion that's sort of a tremendous experience but also kind of puts the kibosh of your journey on your journey going any further but I, i imagine that would have been a mixture of nerves and excitement ahead of tonight and i'm genuinely worried that that will be a scarring experience for her i'm i'm hopeful that it won't be because she's clearly surrounded by great people she's she had andrea pekovic there in a corner watching her tonight barbara rittner is uh is involved she has got good people around her she's she's young she's a talent fingers crossed but it was horrible it was a horrible experience for her tonight she was trying to keep it together but at six love four love i think it was she did struggle to keep the tears at bay on the court it's you know it's one o'clock in the morning and she's she's being embarrassed out there it was it was horrible but also Arena Sabalenka was absolutely stunning this is just about apart from the tiniest little wobble closing it out just about as good as tennis gets it's like she had the cheat codes on some sort of tennis uh, version of FIFA. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was unplayable, really. And there's a few players who would have been able to do something about it. And uh, Ella Seidel is not one of them. And it, it was interesting when I when we when we walk to our commentary box, we have to go through the the players' warm up area and where they stand, looking at the TVs, and then they the practice schedules and then they can walk out on down that walk of champions and um and i walked past on my way to the Djokovic match i walked past this young woman with red hair with with some some people around her and and had a big smile on her face and and looked really wide-eyed and i thought i i honestly thought oh i wonder if this is a, a sort of little thing that the tournament is doing to give somebody an experience to walk backstage I did not know that was her I had no <laughs> clue I'd never seen her before and and I just I just remember clocking her as she walked past me and thinking oh she looks like she's in, you know enjoying this she's having a nice school trip yeah basically that's what I thought it was and um and then when I got down to the commentary box she started she was practicing on the court <laughs> and and then I started to, you know how you sometimes, well, I sometimes <laughs> spot somebody. And I did I did the whole thing. I did the whole, she's hitting it. Well, you know, she's, she's you know. I genuinely thought, my word, she's ta- she looks really good. She looks talented. And she's hitting with. David, David promised matter backhand. Mm. I still stand by that. Um, but the, the difference between hitting down the centre of the court or, you know, when somebody's not trying to make it horrible for you, which Sabalenka was. She was just smashing it to every corner. It's It was extraordinary to watch what Sabalenka did to, to that very compact, decent tennis player. And it 
we were just sort of praying that it wasn't going to be a double bagel and in the end it was love and one um yeah i hope i hope she i i think she she'll be all right okay. but uh but i but i am hoping that for sure yeah some some love and one school lines are a lot less one-sided than they look aren't they this was somehow more one-sided it was yeah <laughs> That were, yeah, I mean, she was absolutely awesome tonight, Arena Sabalenka. Uh, she's probably tucked up in bed by now. She hasn't got a podcast to record. <laughs> let's uh, let's stay with the women's draw, seeing as that's where we are before we get on to the other results of the women's draw today. I would like to tell you about On Location, the premium hospitality and experience, experience provider. provider, who we are proud to be sponsored by throughout the Australian Open. For the first time ever on location will be the official hospitality provider of the Olympic and Paralympic Games Paris 2024. Didn't ask anybody about the Olympic Games in press conferences today. Very restrained of me, I (laughs) I think. Um, That means that you can gain unparalleled access to the Olympic Games when they take place in Paris from Friday the 26th of July to Sunday the 11th of August 2024. Those dates are already in my diary. Uh, Including being right there for the opening ceremony. Um, imagine that being part of the celebration during the opening ceremony in prime locations at the heart of the action, all with exclusive hospitality. I do imagine it all the time, (laughs) Uh, whether from a grandstand seat on the Seine River or with incredible views from a bridge. Each hospitality experience offers once in a lifetime moments. The options on location have for the opening ceremony are... The Bridge 360 Package, their most immersive hospitality experience where you can enjoy stunning panoramic views of Paris, the Athletes Parade and the Olympic Ceremony with hospitality in a Parisian-themed open-air brasserie on the famous Alma Bridge. Have they, like, reached into my dreams? (laughs) Uh, They also offer the Riverside Gold Package, which features breathtaking views with exclusive hospitality set against the backdrop of the Eiffel Tower. This is ridiculous. (laughs) It's good, isn't it? (laughs) You get VIP access to a premium Category A grandstand seat in an optimal location, plus exclusive gold hospitality at the Palais de Tokyo before, during and after the opening ceremony with world-class service, food, entertainment and more. There's also the Riverside Silver Package, which gives amazing views of the Athletes Parade with access to premium hospitality and exclusive grandstand category B seat plus access to hospitality in the elegant La Maison de l'Amérique Latine for first-class service, food and entertainment within walking distance before the opening ceremony. London 2012 opening ceremony was one of the best days of my life and I just was watching it in my living room so I can only imagine. Um, Just go to toursfortennis.com forward slash podcast. I made uh, sausage rolls with um, (laughs) uh, cocktail sticks, flags, flags, British flags in them with uh, athletes' faces on. Do you remember um, that? You, you sent me photos. Had a little Andy Murray face. There was a Tom Daly face. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of faces. Just go to toursfortennis.com forward slash podcast. Tours, the number four, tennis.com forward slash podcast and select Olympic Games hospitality. Packages can be purchased there or a dedicated on-location team member can contact you directly to create your perfect package now back to the australian open uh where we're going to stick with women's results for the day caroline wozniacki was a winner on her return to the scene of her one and only grand slam title uh she'd been an injured magdalene it was quite a tough scene actually out there on the second court uh she was clearly hampered by a, a hip or lower back injury lynette so wozniacki progressing through to round number two where she faces maria Tim Favor, who uh, played in a match that I commentated on today, she beat Elise Cornet in what could very well be Elise Cornet's final uh, Australian Open match. She's talented, Tim Favor. I think that could be interesting against Wozniacki. She had a real 
um, Prismich style sort of, this was her Grand Slam main draw debut and she had a, a poise and a maturity and a just sense of the moment that isn't teachable. I don't think very very impressive. Um, so I'm interested in that match in uh, in a few days' time. Uh, we had the return of the backhand match. Amanda Anisimova is back six three six four over Ludmila Samsonova, which is uh, a, a pretty incredible result. Actually, this is her first Grand Slam match since Wimbledon 2022. Matt and I went out to watch some, of course. Tennis podcast fans were waiting there for Matt, knowing <laughs> knowing that's where he'd be. Uh, and midway through the second set, Matt started workshopping a press conference question that he wanted to put to uh, Amanda Anasimova. And let's just say I'm really, really pleased he didn't go with version one because <laughs> it was weird. It would have been weird. I said, Matt, I see what you're getting at there, but you've got to make it less weird. What, what was that? I think I described her backhand as a sort of naturally occurring mineral. <laughs> something that just, you know, something that just exists in the world. You know, the idea being that in my mind, Anis, um, Amanda Nisimova, you know, who'd obviously put her rackets away for for a few months last season, would just be able to hit her backhand like she always has been able to do when she picked those rackets back up again because the shot is just always there. So I was trying to ask that question without using the words naturally occurring mineral. <laughs> okay. And, and I did manage to do that. He did. He made it really not weird. Mm, but yeah, clearly obvious well. what I was getting at because after I asked the question, Matt Fatterman came over and said... That was basically just asking her about her backhand, wasn't it? And, and I was like, oh, I've been rumbled. What was the, what was the alternate, alternate went, uh, wording? I went with, you know, when you pick those rackets back up, were there any parts of your game that were just there versus stuff that you had to really, you know, work on and... Um... Fishing for a black backhand. Yeah, was, I was fishing. His face was saying backhand. I was blatantly fishing. Okay. But, she, but I did enjoy went, her answer, actually. Yeah, she went, well, it's all there. Yeah. It's just where... <laughs> She said the shots are always there. Yeah. She said it's the it's the fitness and yeah. it's the uh, sort of stamina and everything. She said I she said I'm human. Mm. And, and and without doing it for 4 months that's that's the thing that you lose. Mm. And look, she's just such a natural ball striker, isn't she? Truly one of the best that there is and in in that respect I think it was quite a good matchup really against Samsonova. It wasn't a lot of moving side to side it was a lot of hitting uh and you know she looked like it was going to go three sets she was 4-1 down in that second set but uh reeled off five straight games and yeah it was it was a really nice grand slam winning return for her she's definitely on the list of players that we just sort of want to see more of in in 2024 as is Leila Fernandez, who was not quite the first winner of the day. I think that was Rakimova, but the second winner of the day on the John Kane Arena. 7-6, 6-2 over Czech qualifier Sara Bejelic. Um And it was just a good time, wasn't it? It was just a reminder of what an asset Leila Fernandez is to tennis. When it, well, She's the best show in tennis when she's on. <laughs> Pam absolutely... Nailed it. And we've got a lot, of, a lot of hopes, haven't we, riding on Fernandez getting to the third round and making the Fernandez-Goff match that we're already dreaming of happen for yeah. us and for everyone. Yeah, and t- today was a good, a good opportunity to enjoy Fernandez because she was up against a player who's clearly very good uh, and promising, another Czech player. I mean, I think she was the Czech number 11. <laughs> yeah, she was, she was the Czech number 11. She was the fourth-ranked Czech teenager. <laughs> she's, Bloody she's, hell. So, so, how would you describe a game, Matt? I mean, you, you watched the, the, the first set more closely than me. How would you... I mean... What, what was she? I suppose not that dissimilar to Fernandez. I mean that was that was one of the trademarks of this of this match. Both lefties um really likes hitting the ball down the line in the way that Leila Fernandez does and Fernandez spoke about how she really had to adjust to that. 
hits a flat backhand like Fernandez, but has a much more top spinny forehand than Fernandez does. Uh, uses quite a lot of variation as well. Um, and something that uh, Fernandez picked up on was the fact that she had the hunger that Fernandez remembered that she had when she was 17. And she said, I knew that that hunger is a weapon. You know, you, you, you come out a little bit fearless. And Fernandez said that she had to sort of weather that. Um, looks wise, I can't, I can't explain it, but Belek is a sort of combination of Cara Delevingne and Jennifer Brady. If you'll nailed it, if you'll go with that, mm. um, yeah, very, very intrigued to to keep watching her. Marquez von Drosheva was in her box, as was Yuri Lahetchka. So all the like United that. Cup, yeah, all over again. All, all the Czechs giving her a bit of support, which was well, nice. she was on the United Cup team, I think. Mm. So that is a bit of a reunion it's nice and that it's nice it is really see nice see especially that. as the czech republic i thought was kind of the least vibesy <laughs> team in in well, perth von Drosheva had a very weird united cup she didn't seem fired up at all so but there was always obviously something that that resonated there in that environment uh, yeah i i just think it's impossible to watch leila fernandez without having a good time mm-hmm. you know she just makes you feel good about mm. tennis because she so clearly loves it and wants it and mm. I don't know, I just I don't feel as though since she reached that final we've we've quite had our money's worth of being able to watch her. And it's not I'm not I don't blame her. She's had some injuries and all the rest of it and and I think I think in many ways that was an overperformance getting to that final at that time. Um and maybe the rest of it has been a bit more nearer the norm. But I just think what we saw at the Billie Jean King Cup is there's more there to come. Mm. And and you're right. I mean, imagine Coco Goff and her on, on, on Rod Laver <laughs> Arena, given the proper prime time slot. That's what we need. Yeah, David Law submitting an in- invoice for outstanding debts to uh, Leila Fernandez for her <laughs> loss two and a half years of tennis there. Who's in the way? <laughs> well, she's got Alicia Parks next. Has, oh, nice. has Leila Fernandez. That's a good one. I know that. A mm. uh, couple of other women's results for you from today. Maria Sakkari, very convincing over now. Hibino on the Rod Laver Arena, 6-4-6-1 for her. We said in our uh, preview show a couple of days ago that uh, we had heard she was uh, working as of recently, with Ben Crow, the sports psychologist who helped Ash Barty to win Grand Slam titles. Matt, that was something you wanted to ask her about in press, not something she wanted to talk about in press. No. <laughs> <laughs> Matt got Yulia Putin saved. <laughs> Did he use his mineral line in that one, then? <laughs> yeah, I got the look of, how do you know that? Uh, do do I admit that you're right? Yes, I will admit that you're right, but I'll also say I would prefer to keep that a secret and I don't want to talk about it, thank you. Which, you know, fair enough. So I didn't, I didn't press on it. What she did talk about a lot was her new racket. She has a new racket for the first time in 10 years, which, you know, is a big change for a tennis player, you know, extension of the arm, all that, to to make a change. And what I thought was interesting was to me, it sounded like she had really taken ownership of that decision. You know, she said that the rest of her team were a bit hesitant, but she felt like it was absolutely the right thing to do. She said she was playing with a racket that was very, very powerful because for, you know, 10 years ago, she needed that power and she feels like she doesn't need that anymore. She needs a lot more control. So she's, she's sort of switched in that sense and she thinks it's really helping her. And, she looked. She started this season very, very well. She got probably her only like really, really brilliant result was beating Leila Fernandez uh, at at the United Cup. Everyone else who she's played, she would have expected to beat. I know she beat Angelique Kerber pretty handily at the United Cup as well. Um, but yeah, good good signs so far for Sakri, who you know was struggling to win matches at points last season mm. and, and is stringing them together now. And uh, yeah, she said it's the best preseason she's ever had. So that's, I, that's good to hear. I am very pleased to hear that point about taking ownership mm. for a big 
decision. I it's it's, it's one victory. We'll see. Follow her progress, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that's what I want to be hearing from Maria Zachary. I I know I'm not privy to to all the ins and outs of her relationship and vibes with her team, and I know there is a lot to be said for finding a comfort zone with your team but from the insights I've had to her relationship with Tom Hill her coach I I, just elements of it just strike me as codependent and it's always just just made me yearn for her to just step up and lead and sort of I want her to feel emboldened to, to to of course lean on people when she needs to and find comfort zones and all of that but also to find her power I suppose um so that sounds like a really positive sign to me uh we had Barbora Krejcikova surviving a real scare on the second court she beat Mai Hontama the Japanese wildcard 6-3 in the third after being a set and a breakdown so uh, the 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 big four still intact in uh, in the Australian Open. Uh, and last one I wanted to mention for the women's draw was last year's junior champion Alina Korneva, uh a winner today in three sets against Sara Saribes Torm. I don't know what it means other than I hovered over picking Corneva in my predictions because she's a clear talent um, and is qualified here which you know is always a bit of a feather in the cap in round one but then I saw who she was playing and I thought that's really tough for someone transitioning from juniors to seniors because she'll she'll just make you hit those extra balls that that aren't required of you in juniors but no coming from a set down to beat Cerebus to almost serious stuff so um one to watch out for and we will Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Moving back to the men's draw now and uh, we had a couple of bigger seeds survive really massive scares we had Andre Rublev on the second court requiring a fifth set tie break uh, to defeat Thiago Zybot Vulch um, I, I mean I, I didn't I didn't watch all of this match by any means. I rocked up on second court at uh, the start of the fifth set and it was pretty much exactly the match that I expected. He's uh, he's a heck of a talent, Zai Bocvuc. He's a real ball striker with a live arm. We saw what he could do against Daniel Medvedev at, at the French Open last year, but it always felt like Rublev would have enough 
in the end. There was just a moment where my faith in him wavered when he squandered match points on the Zybotch Vooch um, serve at the end of the fifth set. But once we got into a tie break, I did... I had faith in Rublev, um, perhaps and, more than he has in himself ever. And, 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 and the interesting thing is he went 5-2 down in that 10-point tie break, which in itself is just such a fascinating mental challenge, isn't it? The 10-point the tie break, because you, you get that mini break and it still feels so far away to get to, get to the finish line. And Rublev said, I thought, I thought that was it. I thought I was out. And as a result of that, I relaxed. And I played better. And it's, it's really interesting watching him work, him work his own mentality out post-match. And then the, there was the moment in the post-match interview, which was utterly charming, by he, the way, from Andre Rublev, where he's asked by the interviewer, you know, yes, this was a, a tough one, but it's coming through a tough one like this, set you up brilliantly for the rest of the tournament. And, well, there's just this incredibly long pause and then a deep, profound sigh <laughs> from Andre Robles, <laughs> which oh, kind of tells you everything, doesn't it? Bless him. Uh, over on the John Kane Arena, Taylor Fritz survived his own immass- massive scare against Facundo Diaz Acosta, a lefty Argentine, 6-4 in the fifth for Fritz on... Uh, on the John Kane Arena, which, of course, is his trauma court from last year. That's where he lost to Alexi Popperin, something that we've we've learned from Breakpoint was kind of the hardest loss of his career up until, up until that point, certainly in terms of how he felt afterwards. Um, this was nip and tuck. Frankly, again, didn't watch every single point, had eyes on other things, but it came down to an awful game that Diaz Acosta played, serving to stay in it at 4-5. He has got incredible stamina, Taylor Fritz. He kind of, he doesn't look like a physical colossus, but he never physically fades over these long matches. He's a great competitor, but there is something missing from his game that the very, very top players have, I think. Yeah. I would say that's fair. I think um, he is a little bit one-dimensional. Uh, it's a very good dimension, you know. He's got a he's got a very good serve and rock-solid backhand, and and his forehand he, he goes after more and is is more aggressive than he used to be with it, and more successful with it as well. Um, but he he does run into that ceiling when he when he takes on the very very best players, but. The sort of more interesting aspect, I think, of of his career is is these early stage matches at Grand Slams. You know, I, I think you know we can talk about the sort of ceiling of his game, maybe having limitations, but he's also he's he's more vulnerable than he should be against players like Diaz Acosta. You know, I, like I don't think Yannick Sinner is having those problems, and um, you know, Zverev probably isn't, and Alcaraz isn't. You know, and these are the players that Fritz wants to be competing with um but he, he's got a bit of a block in these in these early rounds in, in slams he, he's frequently come unstuck so anytime he can get through one does feel like quite a big moment but you you sort of would like for his sake that he could do it a bit more convincingly I mean this one he rolled his ankle when he was a set down and really he had to get it taped up and it, it really looked like he may well be going out of the tournament so those great competitive instincts that you mentioned there have, have massively kicked in and, and helped him. But this was this was very close to a loss for Taylor Fritz. And that would have been really tough to take. I yes, think. but he's got a great draw here. He does. Three to the quarters where he would be scheduled to face Novak Djokovic. But he, he should be reaching that quarterfinal. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, props to the trainers the the ATP and WTA physios today because Taylor Fritz and Dino Prismich played their best tennis after seemingly suffering really bad injuries and having to get heavily strapped and taped up out on court and they I mean they were good as new afterwards I mean, pr- pretty Prism- incredible Prismich had a trainer come on at two all in the first set and I thought oh 
I think the match is about to, yeah, early, to end. Yeah, early, early night for us. <laughs> yeah. Great. <laughs> they were right about these Sunday stars. <laughs> um, I am awarding Sensation of the Day to Chris O'Connell, unless anybody has any major objections. I was very much enjoying Dane Sweeney for a while. For a while. Winning for a bit, David. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was fun. And then we, we unearthed a, a, a little article from 2010 when, uh, when, it, when the headline said he, he's like a little Nadal. And he was only eight years old. Um, and it was quite, quite a story telling about how he'd, he'd done a GoFundMe page to try and fund his travel. And he, I think he's 22 now. And he played brilliantly against um, Francisco Surindolo and took it into a fifth set. And the crowd are loving it. And it, it, Look, it, it is like the Brits in, at Wimbledon. You know, people play way above their level and their, their home crowd. And we, they get a lot of hype. And we, we're teasing, aren't we, with, with, the, with the sensation stuff. But it's fun. And, and then you've got O'Connell... Who I, I sort of witnessed that without being able to watch the match. I was just out in Garden Square listening to it, listening to the Christian Green Chilean army <laughs> chanting against the Aussies, and it was just fabulous. And and he, and he took he had two goes, didn't he, to serve it out? He he did. <laughs> yeah, it was ropey stuff trying to close it out over the finish line. I did think we were going to end up in tie break, but at the second time of asking, he managed to close it out and. Um, Matt and I were watching this one at the uh, desks in the media room, and I, I kept on surprising myself with my reactions. I was, I was far, yeah, I was far more into Chris <laughs> O'Connell than I realised. What what element of him were you into? Well, I I think he's I think he's a good watch. His game is very attractive. Remember, he had that incredible set against Daniel Medvedev at the U.S. Open. We have not consistently, but we have seen him be briefly sensational outside of Australia. With, with his backhand, I seem to recall. Yeah, he's got, being... a, he's got a nice single-handed backhand. Yes. He can hit a hot, hot streak and look really explosive. He's, he's a good athlete. Um, look, to be clear, I, d- I don't think he's, you know, going all the way. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a real, it was just right in the You'll sen- be there, though, if he does. <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> it was all just right in the sensation sweet spot. First day of a slam, you know, caught with free access for anyone. Perfect size, perfect level of intimacy, perfect vibes. And, yeah, I was really into it. <laughs> Whereas... Um... Whereas Jason Kubler fell, uh, didn't he, in a, in a final set tie break to Daniel Galan? That mm. would have been that would have been a big sensation moment as well. Or uh, Kublev, as our as our driver home was calling him. <laughs> can, can I also just say, I mean, I didn't watch that match. I've, I think that that that's impressive from Galan to, to, yeah, win, to withstand to withstand that yeah. a final set tiebreak against it an Aussie it was rowdy yeah. Yeah. on the Kia Arena he, yeah. he you could hear the roars well. on um, Rod Laver Arena I was you know out there watching the end of of the Djokovic match and you you could tell who was winning the points on Kia Arena based on based you know when you get get this huge roar it's like oh that's a that's a point for Kublev <laughs> oh god Poor old, poor old Jason Kublev. Um, he's he's defending his double title, isn't he, with Rinky Hidjikata? Kublev. I do know that. <laughs> You're going to do I'm it. I'm committing to the bit. Oh, great. <laughs> it's going to become Blake. <laughs> uh, I think that's it for notable results from today. Former finalist Marin Cilic is out. He lost to Fabian Marajan. Remember him? Yeah, Alcaraz mm. does. Yeah. There's no reason why Fabio Marijan shouldn't become a proper player. No, well, let's see. Let's see. Oh, Yannick Sinner. It was so long ago. I mean, literally yesterday. But Yannick... <laughs> it's about and, 14 hours and ago. And frankly, so comfortable and uneventful for Yannick Sinner against Botic van der Zanschulp. This was... It, exactly as you said earlier, Matt, it's everything that Taylor Fritz isn't right now. It was just... if. Efficient and impressive, and I don't want to throw you under the bus, but you did mark this as a, a potential tricky spot for for Yannick Sinner, given he was coming in cold competitively. Yeah, and it was it was a doubly bad thing to 
think or predict, as it turned out, because actually, I didn't think Yannick Sinner was very good. Really? I, I really thought he was very rusty today. He was, I, was, I was watching this match closely. He was not timing the ball. Like, it was just a little bit off-centre all the time. You know when Yannick Sinner hits the ball well, it's an incredible thing to watch. Mm. None of that whatsoever. He was... I mean, there were moments, of course, but generally, I mean, his unforced error count was really high. Like, I do think... Do think he was a little bit there for the taking Matt, today? How bad was Botic van der Zanskel? Exactly, I thought Botic van der Zanskel would be the kind of guy that might be able to take advantage of that because you know he's 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 a quality player when he's at his best, and he wasn't. <laughs> um, so yeah, I didn't didn't think it was a particularly high quality match, but kind of impressive that he found his he found his tennis kind of when he needed it. Uh, he, he never got worried, you know, it was all, it was impressive from that sense, but it was, he was not striking the ball with anywhere near the authority that he was mm. at the end of last season. And, um, you know, he just, he's got plenty of time to get that back, but he needs to get that back because it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't post puke sinner today. It was, uh, it was <laughs> mid puke. <laughs> yeah. You need to have a big puke in a bin, Yannick, in- <laughs> It'll all be fine after that. Um, okay, what about tom- tomorrow's order of play? Um, there are people listening that are like, what? <laughs> new, pe- new listeners. Imagine he, if you don't know the reference point. He put his head into a bin mid-match in Beijing, was it? Hmm. Mid-match um, against Grigor Dimitrov. Mid-match against Grigor Dimitrov. sort of barely lost a set for the remainder of the season yeah. after that. It was unbelievable after that. Jumping off point. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> do you remember during that um, Pagula, I can't remember who our opponent was, Pagula match last year where they got interrupted by Cotton Eye Joe and there was the... Tech. Yeah, points one sins Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> what a graphic. A graphic. You could have a, you know, matches one sins puke in a bin yeah. uh, for Yannick Sinner. Tomorrow's Matt order is, of play. Matt is running the stats. <laughs> uh, tomorrow's order of play, Rod Laver Arena starts at midday with Anna Karolina Schmiedleberg against fourth seed Coco Goff. And then lucky loser Zizou Bergs, who is in for cursed Matteo Berrettini. Who was a withdrawal today? Zizou Bergs, who retired in qualifying. High hopes for that match. Do tune in. Zizou Bergs against <laughs> Stefanos Sitsipas, second on Rod Laverina. He retired from qualifying and then nipped to sign up on the lucky loser list. Is there another lucky loser just in case he can't make it? Night session from 7 pm local. Alex de Menor against Milos Raonic. And then Caroline Garcia, Caroline Garcia against Naomi Osaka. Yes, please. Should be the first match. Yeah. Uh, the second court is uh, Daniel Medvedev, the former finalist and third seed against Terence Atmain. He Now he's he's French, so I, I should have a feel for how to pronounce that surname, but I'm not at all confident I've done a good job there. Um, but hopefully we'll we'll have some confirmation by uh, by the end of tomorrow. 145 in the world is Artemain and a qualifier. Uh, Pavlyuchenkova is the opponent for Donna Vekic, last year's quarter finalist. Go on, Pam. Uh, although Pam, you shouldn't be listening to this before the match. I hope you're not listening to this before the match. Too busy. Uh, Ons Jabur takes on. Oh goodness me. <laughs> Right, Yulia Starodubtseva, uh, who is a Ukrainian qualifier who, if it's not clear already, I hadn't heard of before now. Um, and last on the second court tomorrow, Felix Auger-Aliassime against Dominic Team. <sighs> Rublev style. Rublev <laughs> Uh, John Kane Arena tomorrow starts with Diana Stremska, qualifier against Marketa Vondrosheva. Uh, then we have the uh, sensation off, Mark Pullman's against Alexei Popperin. And stat about that in the newsletter. Ooh. A sensation off. That is the theme of the stat. Oh, I love the thought of that. I'm looking forward to that. Sign up to the newsletter. Uh, I'm curious as well. Uh, this is not. There's no data involved here, but 
What, what what are all Australian clashes like at the Australian Open? I can't think of too many of well, them. That's the stat, David. <laughs> no, but you, just you can't like... think of too many of them because there aren't many of them. Oh, I'm just thinking recently, vibe wise. You mm. know, I'm really really intrigued. Like, who do you cheer for? Aussies? Well, mm. make make your choice and head to uh, John Cana Arena around about uh, one p.m. tomorrow. And you can find out. Um, that is followed by more sensation action. Daria Savile against Magdalena Fretch. And then, in fact, it's sensation mania <laughs> over there tomorrow. Omar Jessica qualifier against Hubert Hukach. Uh Well, my goodness me, more sensations. Uh, Kira Arena, Storm Hunter against Sara Rani. We've got... Stan Rinker against Adrian Manorino over there. Buckle up, folks. Andy Murray against Thomas Martin Echeverry, followed by Linda Fravitova and Beatrice Adanjmaier. <laughs> well, hold on a minute. What, what's that? Is Andy Murray following a men's match? He's following a women's and a men's. Okay. I mean, that really could be a long day on that court. Yep. Gee. It sure could. Svitolina has a... Has a uh, sensation, Taylor Preston. Uh, they really are everywhere tomorrow. <laughs> ben Shelton's in action on the 1573 arena. You've got Rinky Carter against Yanina Truff. You have another sensation off on court three. Vukic against Jordan Thompson. Uh, and yeah, it's a far, far busier day tomorrow. Tomorrow is, I mean, the, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed today, really, but it in terms of feel and mania, it didn't feel like day one of a slam, but I think tomorrow will. And there was a sense today that they had perhaps sold more tickets than there were matches available on the schedule. And there were very long queues outside the courts. You know, there just weren't that many matches on today. So if you're in the grounds... You know, people were wanting to watch the same matches because there just weren't as many options. We heard a word of absolutely raucous scenes trying to get into Tamara Coolpatch against Jodie Burridge. Which, you know, is fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's what you want. You want those outside courts to be full, but equally, you don't want them to be so full that there's loads of people queuing, trying to get in. And and it, it did feel a little bit overcrowded, I would say, today, just because there wasn't, there wasn't the courts to spread people out. Um, and they were also trialling this this new thing where play, where fans could come in after every game rather than mm. at the change of ends. And interestingly, Novak Djokovic said that he didn't know that was happening. So the players didn't even know about Ooh, it. And that's, that's not great, we, is it? And he, he was a little... Look, he totally understands the reason for trialling it. He, he says personally he doesn't like it, but he, re- he recognises that that's a... That's a personal thing. He's been used to having it a certain way for twenty years. You know, it's, it's it distracts him when when people are when people are coming in after a game. And he did make the point that he felt like they were they were doing more waiting around for people because you know I don't think they've quite smoothed out the system yet. Mm. And, and maybe they were, but personally, I do like the idea. Um, and it, it's one of those things that will probably just take some time. Uh, to, to sort of feel natural and umpires will get a sense of when when they can restart play and that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, that's that's an interesting thing that they're, they're trialling at, at this year's Australian Open without making mm. too much of it. It's very much a soft launch, isn't it? it very much so. Mm. So that's your lot for day one, I think, as we, <laughs> we approach the 3am mark. David, your mascot <laughs> is Francis. Right, Francis, I didn't do so well today. Tomorrow's my day. Mine is Darwin, absolutely stitched up by uh, Daria Sneger today. She was so close to beating Alicia Parks, but yet so far. Matt, Hyder and Soma for you. How did you fare today? Uh, we, we got some points, thanks to best player in the world, Thomas Mahach. <sighs> Who plays Francis Tiafo next? That's a good match. I'm looking forward to that. Yes, Tiafo beating uh, Chorich uh, in the last match of the day on the second court today. Billy Jean is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our top folks and executive producers, Greg, Chris, Jamie, and Jeff. And we have shout outs, Matt. We have Pierre Cantin. 
or Quentin, maybe, in Montreal. Hello, Pierre. Oh, Pierre. He French sa- Peter. He says, my sister and I met David at the 2022 US Open while waiting for coffee early in the morning. He was incredibly nice. Oh, well, you must have caught me on a good day. Every day is a good day for me at <laughs> the US Open. But anyway, very nice to have met you. Uh, and Pierre Damon is a player I remember with the name Pierre. And I think he was also part of the ATP sort of management at one stage. So there we are. I was going Pierre Rouguerbert. Oh, yours is that's, too. A, that's a diluted Pierre. It's a Pierre Rougue. Oh, but still good. A Pierre nonetheless. Thank you, Pierre. I love Montreal. One of my favourite cities. We have Paul Bullock, who is living in Malta, but originally Ooh. from Kent. Hi, right, Paul. Hello, Paul. Like Tommy Paul. Yeah. Do, do we know any Paul's first name in the tennis world? I'm trying to think if I can think of any. I don't think I can. Um, no. It's quite late, David. <laughs> what a poser. Paul McNamee. Well done, Matt. Former tournament director? Former tournament director of the Australian Open. Paul was shouting at his podcast equipment there. <laughs> it's like, me! <laughs> well done, Matt. Paul McNamee and Tommy Paul. And Paul from Malta slash Kent. Thank you very much. Uh, we have Barclay Hughes, who Ooh, is from Missouri. Like Barclays, the former sponsor of the ATP Finals. Correct. And like Ian Barkley, the former coach of Pat Cash when he won Wimbledon. Very good. Right, Barkley. Missouri, not a state that Matt and I have driven through. No. And Barkley says, um, I love Mary Crillo and Pam Shriver chiming in on the podcast. Two of my favourite voices. You and us both, Barkley. We do too, Barkley. It's great. It's a very good name, that. Thank you, Barkley. We have Jose Angelico, who is from a little city near Lisbon in Portugal. Jose Angelico. Yes, great name. Lisbon wow. is another fantastic city. Sure is. Oh. Jose Angelico. Jose? Jose. Acasuso. Very, oh, very good. Close. Very good. My work here is done. <laughs> Thank you, Jose. And last but by no means least, we have Neil and Pat Roberts. Pat, Neil and Pat, Matt's parents. We've got a lot to be thankful to Neil and Pat for, haven't we? Everything. Anything you'd like to say about your parents, Matt, to flesh out their shout-out? Oh, what a hospital (laughs) (laughs) card. Um... I reckon they're listening right now at lunch together, which is a nice thought. Spanish omelette? Quite possibly, yeah. Neil, Pat, hope you're enjoying it. Thank you ever so much for your son and your support. Co-sign. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe to that newsletter. Uh, Check us out on Instagram, on Twitter. Hannah Hannah is doing incredible work there, as always. Check out Hannah's uh, first column for us. Uh, If you haven't already, we've been promoting that left, right and centre because it's so good. And we'll see you tomorrow. 